Brothers and sisters, on Easter Sunday, 2,000 years ago, there was a small group of followers of Jesus Christ huddled together in a room with the doors locked because they were very afraid. They had just seen their Lord brutally crucified on a Roman cross because the Jewish leaders and the Romans had collaborated to kill him. And they were locked in this room, scared, because they were wondering, what if what happened to Jesus could happen to us? What if we were arrested? What if we were punished like he was? What if we were crucified? So they're huddled together in this room, terrified of what might happen to them. And I believe this is a timely Easter setting for us. Fast forward 2,000 years later, and we may not be locked in our homes, but we might as well be. We are isolated in our homes, and we are very afraid. People are asking, what if I get sick? What if a loved one gets sick? What if a loved one dies? What if I die? What if, what if this world doesn't go back to normal? What if the economy tanks? What if I don't get my job back? What if I can't make it financially? What, what if this just goes on? What if life can never return to normal? What if, what if, what if? We are very afraid. But I believe Jesus wants to do the same thing that he did 2,000 years ago, to come into your home, wherever you are, and to say to you, Peace be with you. This is something that the risen Lord says three times in the passage that was read for us this morning. And that means it's important, but it's also something we need. We need peace today in this season, don't we? And if we don't have peace, we will live in turmoil. It's something we need. And Christians all around the world are celebrating Easter today because we believe that because Jesus died and rose again, that we can have unshakable peace in him. So if you're following along at home, I invite you to get out your Bible or to open up in your browser or your phone and turn to John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. Because Jesus tells these very scared disciples many things that will help them find peace. And today I want to highlight five ways. I could highlight a thousand ways that Jesus can give us peace, but I, I want to highlight just five Five ways that Jesus can help us find unshakable peace. But before I do that, I want to talk a bit more about what peace is. Sometimes when we think of peace, we just think about the absence of negative things. The absence of conflict or the, the absence of war or the absence of stress or worry or anxiety. Uh, but for the Hebrews and for Jesus and the, the biblical worldview, peace is not just the absence of negativity. Peace is what the Hebrews call shalom. It's the positive blessing of God's presence in and on your life. And shalom happens when you are living in harmony with how God intended for you to live. And Jesus wants to impart this peace to you. He says, peace be with you. It's something he wants you to have, and it's something he wants you to have in your personally lived experience. Something that goes with you, an abiding sense of peace. Now, how can we have that? And why can Jesus give us this gift? Well, like I said, I want to give you five ways Jesus gives us unshakable peace. Number one, Jesus gives us peace because he has paid for all our sin. Jesus gives us peace because he has paid for all our sin. Now, I want to invite you to look at the text in verse 19. It says, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked 
for the fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now, I think it's astounding that the first thing that Jesus says to these disciples is peace be with you. Because if you remember the story, they were not uh, deserving of any kind words to them at this moment. If you joined us last week, we started with the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus is in agony over about what he is about to experience, and he's asking his disciples to pray with him, and they can't. They keep falling asleep. They keep failing him. And then right after that, he is betrayed and arrested. And what do his closest friends do? His closest followers, his closest allies, they desert him. They flee. They run away. They are not there for them in his darkest hour. And so we could imagine that they are expecting to hear some type of rebuke from Jesus. How come you guys weren't there for me? How come you didn't stand up for me? How come you didn't say anything? How come you ran away from me when I needed you? The disciples did not deserve Jesus' words of peace. They deserved words of rebuke for, for forsaking Jesus in the greatest hour of his need. But thank the Lord that God does not treat us as our sins deserve. He speaks peace to them, and then he shows them why that they are not condemned for their sins. He shows them his hands and his side. Friends, we celebrate Easter today because in part of what happened on Good Friday, what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. The the wounds remind us of that. I like what D.A. Carson says. He says, on the cross, if you remember, Jesus said, it is finished. But on Easter Sunday, he's saying, peace be with you. These are like two sides of the same coin. It is finished and peace be with you. Jesus can say peace be with you because of what he finished for us on the cross. The Apostle Paul puts it this way. Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. If you were here in this room, I'd be hoping you would say amen with me. The disciples, they deserve condemnation. And we deserve condemnation for our sins and for our guilt. But since Jesus took the nails in his hand and the spear in his side, he therefore paid our debt, and now there is no condemnation or guilt on our account. He has freely paid for all of our sins so that we can have peace with God. Jesus gives us peace because he has paid for all our sins. That's number one. Number two, Jesus gives us peace because he has overpowered death. Jesus gives us peace Because he has overpowered death. Friends, this is why we celebrate Easter with so much joy. Jesus has defeated humanity's biggest enemy, and that is death itself. His hands and his side, these are now just scars. These are just reminders of the kind of death he experienced. But friends, they are reminders that death could not hold him down. The grave tried to take him, but Jesus overpowered it and overcame He overcame the grave. Death could not hold him. Like what the Bible says in Hebrews 2.16, that Jesus came to set free, uh, to free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. You know, in every human heart, there's the fear of death. I think for most people, it's fairly subconscious. Most people aren't just running around afraid that they're going to die. But there are times in life 
where the fear of death is raised in our consciousness. You know, maybe sometimes a a near-death accident or things like that. But right now is a time where the fear of death is raised in our consciousness, is it not? As the death tolls rise, as the virus rages on, many are fearful. What if a loved one dies? What if I die? What will happen to me after I die? These are profoundly human questions that at some time in our lives we all end up asking. And just like the disciples, we can be so afraid. We are so afraid to die. And indeed, there is an immense grief, there's immense sorrow over death because there's just something so final and shocking about it. But the Bible tells us we do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. There's a lot of power in that and. Jesus died and he rose again. He didn't stop there. He rose to life. Yes, death can be scary, but friends, we do not grieve it like the rest of the world. We grieve, we don't grieve without hope. Jesus took death itself down into the grave and he rose again victorious. Friends, Jesus' resurrection is the death of death. It is no longer the final word. There is hope beyond the grave. And again, if you were all were here, we'd be saying, Amen. For those who believe and trust in Jesus Christ, eternal life, resurrected life with God awaits us on the other side. So therefore, we are not ultimately afraid of death. Friends, I want to testify to you my own feelings about this. I'm not afraid to die. I am not afraid to die. You know, sometimes I wonder maybe how I might die or how painful it might be or, or what might happen to the people around me. But I am not ultimately afraid of what will happen to me after I die. Because I believe with all of my heart what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6.14, God raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Friends, when we are in Christ, what happened to Jesus in the resurrection will also happen to us. That is our hope. We will finally be with the Lord. No more sorrow, no more pain, in perfect joy and peace forever with God. So friends, no matter what the world, no matter what the enemy throws your way, there is nothing in this world that can separate you from his love, from his peace. No one, no thing, no virus, no sickness, no trouble, no hardship, no persecution, nor anything else in all creation can separate you from the love of God that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, nothing can snatch you out of the Savior's hand. Nothing can snatch you away from his presence and from his peace because nothing can ultimately harm you. You will be raised to life. When the disciples saw Jesus, the risen Jesus, they rejoiced. And one day when we see Jesus in all his glory, our hearts will will rejoice because we will be with the one we were made for. We cannot even fathom it yet. We will be in perfect shalom with the one who made us. Friends, we know we can have this peace because we know what will happen to us in the future. I like how the great Easter hymn puts it. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. 
And life is worth the living just because he lives. So friends, Jesus gives us peace because he lives, because he has overpowered death. So therefore, we do not fear. That's number two. Number three, Jesus gives us peace because he gives us a purpose. Jesus gives us peace because he gives us a purpose. So again, Jesus says to them, peace be with you. And then he says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. This is John's version of the Great Commission. Matthew says, go make disciples. So this means to me that Easter is not about waiting around for eternal life later. I want you to notice this. There is some very powerful, very powerful theological poetry that is going on in this text, and it's beautiful. So hang with me. Let me, let me explain this. The text says that this resurrection happened on the first day of the week. It means Jesus died on Friday. Then it was Saturday when he was in the grave. That's the Sabbath, or in the Jews' mind, the last day of the week. So when Jesus is raised, it happens on Sunday, which is not the end of the weekend. It's the first day of the week. And in the biblical world, what happened on the first day of the week? God began to create the world. So in other words, Jesus' resurrection is the dawning of a new creation. It's starting all over. He's renewing the whole world. Friends, soon after the first creation, our sins separate us, separate us from God. The fall happened and the world became broken. But now in the new creation, God is restoring us to him and restoring his broken world. And now, after the resurrection, he's inviting you to participate in renewing all of creation. I like how the Apostle, put, the Apostle Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, Jesus died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ. This is a powerful passage. Friends, we know it. Our, we're guilty. Our default in life is to live for ourselves. But friends, if you live for yourself, you will never find peace in your life because you were not created to live for yourself. We were not, we were not created to live for the pleasures of this world, for money, for things, for even a good experiences. No, we were created to live with and for our creator, our maker. We were created for a purpose. And when we live for that purpose, we will find peace. This is a good time in life to ask yourself, what have you been living for? Look at your life. What have you been spending your time on? What do you really care about? What does your money say you care about? What are you finding yourself doing these days? Friends, evaluate your life. What are you living for and why are you living? Because God has a purpose for you. God has a mission for you. And our purpose is to love God and to reconcile others to Jesus. We have a, a purpose in restoring God's good world. So God is not waiting around to restore the world. He is doing it right now in the midst of the old one. And he's inviting you in. He sent his disciples to go do it. And then he gave them the power to accomplish it. And that leads me to point number four. Jesus gives us peace because he gives us his presence. 
Jesus gives us his peace because he gives us his presence. Friends, just like we don't have to wait around to find a purpose, we don't have to wait around to get to heaven, to have a relationship with God, and to have his presence and his peace with us now. In verse 22, the story continues. It says, And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Friends, if you look, we are back to new creation once again. If you know anything about the biblical story, when God made human beings, it says, the Bible says, he breathed the breath of life into us. But in some way, our sin and our brokenness has marred that life connection that we had with God. But here is God in the flesh through Jesus Christ breathing into us again the breath of life, his Holy Spirit, his very presence abiding with us. This is truly the foundation of our peace. Friends, if, if your peace was dependent upon how you feel, you can never find it. If peace was dependent upon your circumstances, you can never have it. If peace was something that we just had to muster or manufacture, we could never find it either. Because peace is the result of God's presence in our lives. One of the early church fathers, Cyril of Alexandria, in the 4th or 5th century AD, a long time ago, he said this, When Jesus said, peace be with you, by peace he meant himself. For Christ's presence always brings tranquility of soul. This is the grace Paul desired for believers when he wrote, the peace of Christ which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Friends, this is not a philosophical peace. It's not the idea of peace. It's not even the feeling of peace. This is a peace that is transcendent above every concept of peace you've ever fathomed or ever heard of. This is peace that is Jesus Christ's presence with you. It's his peace that will guard your hearts and minds, come what may. And at at this point in in the sermon, I'm wondering if you're thinking, is this all too good to be true? You may not believe it, You may doubt it. You may be asking, did the resurrection really happen? Did Jesus really rise from the grave? Are all these stories really true? And if you're asking that, you are not alone. You are not alone in your doubts. In fact, even the disciples who saw this happen, they had their doubts too. And we have a recording of one of the, one of Jesus' own followers, one of the 12 disciples, doubted at first. And the story says this in verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, he was not with the disciples when Jesus came the first time. And so the other disciples told him that we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger in his, where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. He wanted more evidence. And perhaps like Thomas, people have told you about Jesus or you've heard about Jesus or maybe you're raised in the church and you're no longer involved. But for some reason, you've never become a follower of Jesus yourself. You've wanted to be sure. You've wanted to be convinced. You've wanted to know that this is in fact real. Well, I believe there's a lot of good evidence out there for you to consider. But perhaps my last point is just for you. And that's number five. Jesus gives us peace because he proclaimed the truth. Jesus gives us peace because he proclaimed the truth. Friends, I believe with all my heart, that Jesus Christ is who he said he was. And I want to tell you what happens in the story. 
A week later, his disciples were in the house again. This is verse 26. And Thomas was with them this time. And the doors are locked. They're still afraid. But Jesus comes and stands among them again and says, Peace be with you. Then he says to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. This is an astounding confession for a very monotheistic Jew looking at at a man that he knew and saying, my God, because Thomas knows human beings do not just merely rise from the dead. Jesus isn't just some good teacher. And that means Christianity isn't just any other religion alongside other religions. No, we believe what Thomas said. Jesus Christ is Lord and God of this world. He is God in the flesh who came to save humanity itself. And we believe Jesus came to die on the cross and he rose again so that we could have eternal life and be with him now and forever. And Thomas proclaims this amazing thing. And then Jesus tells him in verse 29, because you have seen me, you have believed. And blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Thomas, he saw Jesus come back to life. He saw Jesus raised to new life, just like the other disciples did. And he believes. And that's fine. That's a good thing. But then Jesus points that there are some people who are not going to see, but yet will believe. And they will have a special blessing upon their lives because of that. So that includes all of us, because none of us living now, clearly, we're not there when Jesus uh, rose from the grave. But just because we didn't see Jesus rise in person doesn't mean there really isn't any evidence to weigh. I would tell you, I think most Christians believe because we have experienced Jesus Christ in our lives in powerful ways. And there's testimony upon testimony about that. But even more than that, we believe because everything that Jesus said about himself came true. He predicted his own death. He predicted that he would rise again. He proclaimed that he was one with God himself. And he said that the one who believes in him will never die. He is the way, the truth, and the life. In fact, one of the most famous things that Jesus proclaimed, he said, for God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. These are dramatic claims. And they should give us pause. Why would someone claim these things about themselves? C.S. Lewis famously put it many years ago. He said, if Jesus went around proclaiming these kinds of things, there's really only three options. Either he was a lunatic, a liar, or he really is the Lord. Now, it seems obvious to me that he wasn't crazy. I don't think a a crazy person could teach the kind of things he did and change the whole world over 2,000 years. I don't think he was a liar because I don't think someone would go through the kind of suffering Jesus went through for a lie. Do you? I believe Jesus Christ is truly Lord. He is truly Lord and, and God. He was able, for some reason, a group of monotheistic Jews who are not allowed to believe in any other gods. They're only supposed to believe in one God. For some reason, a bunch of them in the first century AD began to proclaim that a man was God who was raised from the dead. And I believe the best explanation for that is that he really did. He rose again. Friends, in this uncertain time, the grim reality is we don't know how much time we all have left. That's true every day but especially we are conscious of it in this moment. And Jesus invites you 
to make up your mind about him right now. He says to Thomas, stop doubting and believe. This is a time in life to make up your mind about Jesus Christ. Search out the evidence. Do your research. Talk to other Christians who have their experience with Jesus. You have to decide for yourself, is Jesus Christ God or not? Is he Lord or not? Do you believe it or not? And to those of you who do believe, you have to ask yourself, are you really following him with all your heart or not? Do you just believe? Because we need to also put our trust in him and follow him. And he is absolutely, I believe, worth giving your whole life to. It's absolutely worth it, both now and forever. Because what we decide about Jesus Christ has implications for our eternity forever. So if you have not personally made Jesus your Lord, the leader of your life, here's my challenge to you. Read the Gospel of John this week and ask Jesus to reveal himself to you. And if you do that, I believe he will reveal himself to you. Friends, let me recap what I've said today. And if you like alliteration like I do, I think you will appreciate this. Friends, the risen Jesus gives us unshakable peace because he paid for all our sin. He overpowered death. He gives us his purpose and his presence and he proclaimed the truth. Amen? Friends, all his promises, all his claims are true. You can take it to the bank. We can stop doubting and believe. Let me close with what Jesus said. He said this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you, have tr- you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Peace be with you.